This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram Live. Here for you, here for your pets. Any questions you may have, now is the time to ask free advice, free the keyword. It's always good to get something for free. And um, so anyway, that's why we're here. So uh, if you're thinking of your questions, send them in. You can either reach us at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. That's here on Pet Life Radio. On Instagram, just type them in. And I'm waving to people as they come in. So if I miss you, I apologize in advance. I will wave. So happy Easter to everybody. We have that typical mesh between Easter and Passover. You know, people don't realize, in fact, it was so funny. I was talking about the Passover Seder and talking to my friends, my non-Jewish friends. And I said, do you know that Da Vinci's The Last Supper, that famous painting, was the Passover Seder? That, that was the whole thing about it. It was the Passover Seder. And they go, no. Oh. Yeah. And if you look at the painting, you know, one of the apostles is just kind of giving them a little side glance to the eye. You know, they're trying to think, who was it? Who was the traitor? But anyway, that was the, the, the infamous Passover Seder, the Last Supper. And um, so uh, anyway, uh, happy Easter to all of you. And I hope you guys, have, I'm glad you're here on Easter Sunday. So that's, that's nice. So um, anyway, ask away whatever your questions may be. So um, you can also reach us better yet, Pet Life Radio. Go on to PetLifeRadio.com. It's there. Just go online, PetLifeRadio.com. You click on shows. You scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and you can just literally join us live with your pets on your lap, whatever, sitting next to you and ask away. So um, in the meantime, while I'm waving, let's, let's hear some good questions. Um, in the meantime, I want to share something. We may have spoken about this before, but I had another case this week, and it, it's something I realized that there is a very deadly cat disease called FIP, feline infectious peritonitis. And if I tell you that two years ago, year and a half ago, it was known to be 100% fatal. There are two forms, the effusive or wet form, okay? And also the non-effusive or the dry form. And the wet form is where the belly fills up with this fluid, plus all the other things go with it. These cats get really sick. They start losing weight, skin and bone weight. Perfect example, on the case that I'm just about to share with you, the owners bought brothers. The brother now weighs, they're six months old, weighs 7.7 pounds. And the cat that now is sick with FIP in the last several weeks, it goes really fast, is down to 3.7 pounds. So it is really deadly. And it's a sad thing because there was nothing we could do about it. Well, there is now a treatment and it is accepted by most of us practicing veterinarians, because I've had already seven cats. This is cat number eight that has gone through this particular treatment and all have done very well. They are basically cured. And yet the FDA is not accepting yet this medication. So the classic standard um, veterinary community cannot and does not recommend this treatment. So you've got to get it basically through the black market, which is a shame because it's so effective. The research was actually was done partly at UC Davis. In fact, Dr. Niels Peterson, who was one of the researchers, a big cat guy, was one of my professors at Davis. And it's amazing. So they say it's a remdesivir analog. It's called GS4. 
441-524. Once again, GS441-524. For short, they just call it GS44. You have to go and do research. I recommend for those of you who know anybody with a cat with FIP diagnosed, it usually happens in cats under two and older than seven or even eight. So it's the, for some reason, middle-aged cats from two to seven don't seem to be affected. So anyway, you want to send them to one of two sites, FIP Warriors. Once again, FIP, Feline Infectious Peritonitis Warriors, or Cure FIP. Be really careful because it is so hard to get the med medication, the GS44, uh, 441-524, that a lot of the, these companies or these people are selling it black market, and it is not the real pure stuff. They are doing it to make money. So I would, again, recommend FIP Warriors. They're the ones I have the most familiarity with. And every one of the people that I've sent there and started their GS44 is doing great. The other one, curefip.com, also, I understand, is legit. But anywhere else, until you do some more homework, I would not trust. But it's so sad when I get a, a, an emergency call from a friend who, of mine, a former client who now lives in South Carolina, tells me about her friend who cat was diagnosed with FIP. The vet can't do anything, doesn't say there's nothing we can do. And I'm thinking, is there something you can do? So my friend Candace reached out to me. I got in touch with this couple. They actually went, I believe, yesterday. They were picking it up. I haven't spoke to them since um, I spoke to them last week, but I'm assuming that they got the stuff. There, it comes in two forms, injectable and oral. I am personally not familiar with the oral form, so I cannot comfortably recommend it. I know of no one personally that has done the oral form. However, the injectable form, it is 84 injections. They give you a whole schedule when to get tested um, after the first month or whatever it is, 84 injections. That's the only tough thing. You have to learn how to give your cat a shot. It is a subcutaneous injection, so it's not intramuscular, but the results are amazing. So uh, anyway, um, I would highly, highly recommend that. It, hopefully it never happens to you. Um, I have my five cats. I personally, with all the cats I've had in my professional life, never had a cat with FIP. I'm hoping not to ever have one, but at least now we know there is a cure. So um, Ali Baby Sissy, uh, Nikki sent a request to be in my live. I can't do that only because it kind of takes up the whole bottom part of my screen and I can't see all the feeds. So, but uh, reach out to me, please, after the show and we can have our own conversation. The flu is totally shelter. Ah, this is from uh, another uh, comment for our listeners that the flu, the new canine influenza, there is a vaccine for it, has been caused a shelter in Camarillo to close to new surrenders and adoptions. So I'd be really, really careful. I think that it is very important. And I'll be really honest, when the first flu, H3N8 came, one of the companies making a vaccine basically said to me, they sent us our test kits for free because they wanted to and us to sell vaccines for them. And I must have tested 30 animals, 30 dogs, not one, not one came back positive. It was still good old our influenza or Bordetella which is you know, kennel cough. I hate that name. I call it live in LA cough, but whatever. That's all it was. It was never influenza. Well, anyway, now we are seeing more and more cases of, there are two forms. There's H3N8, H3N2, and we are seeing some sick dogs. And a lot of shelters are, and a lot of daycares are. And what they're doing is now they are requiring the vaccine. And I don't disagree because if the influenza virus attacks one of their dogs in their facilities, then they have to close down for like two weeks. 
And for a facility that boarding and daycare and things like that, a groomer they cannot do it for two weeks. So they are requiring, just like they now are requiring Bordetella, they are requiring influenza. Some are even requiring Lepto. I think that's a bit overkill, but, but I think certainly the, the influenza, and I'm starting to recommend it as well. Speaking of which, speaking of things that, that I am sort of on the fence, do we recommend it for everybody or do we not? I am changing my tune there as well. And that has to do with heartworm. Now, heartworm is transmitted through mosquitoes. Just yesterday afternoon, I was sitting out reading one of my favorite books. And guess what? There are mosquitoes. Well, if I'm seeing them, they are seeing my dogs. And I got five of those. So this was predicted years ago. And I've mentioned it many times. Years ago, when there was a case of heartworm disease in a dog that never was born in Los Angeles, never left Los Angeles, and yet was one of the first recorded cases of heartworm. And it was near Forest Lawn Mortuary. It was a big mortuary. And they, the, the Heartworm Protection Society went up to the, the cemetery, right? And there were obviously beautiful, lush green grass that's being watered all the time, lifted up headstones, only to find hundreds of thousands of mosquito larvae. And they predicted then, this is this got back to almost 20 years, that there is a mosquito that is adapted to the Los Angeles, the California, Southern California, drier climate, and it doesn't have the same humidity. Temperature is a little actually lower than normal. And they usually like high humidity and temperature in the 80s. That was why, like, the Louisiana, loaded with heartworm. South Florida, loaded with heartworm. During the, in the east, northeast, during the spring and summer, loaded with heartworm. We were pretty clear here in California, in Southern California, but not anymore. So once again, I'm recommending, strongly recommending, have your dogs tested. It's an easy, less inexpensive test, um, heartworm test that most hospitals like we can do it in-house. We have the answer in, in seven minutes and then start heartworm prevention. Now, if you're already on some of the isoxazoline-free preventatives like Semperica or Cordelio, they each have their own additional version, a new version, Semperica Trio and Credilio Plus, and those not only give the flea and tick, but also the heartworm prevention. Let's talk about spring also, because I wanted to bring this up. And my own daughter's dog, one of her two dogs, so far has had two. And so now I'm going to share it with everybody. And that is foxtails. Do you know what foxtails are? Foxtails are little plant-ons. They look like a little dried weed. They're kind of shaped like an arrowhead, where a very sharp point, and then they kind of flare up. But because that flare up, they cannot go backwards. So they can enter in only one way and can't go backwards. They continue to migrate and they can migrate into, I mean, pretty far. We have a, a forcep called an alligator forcep, which is really long and just the very tip has little teeth. And I literally have put that thing into a hole where there's a drainage area that is not healing. And uh, that's probably the entry point. Where do foxtails like to enter? Here are the common places. Number one, between the digits. Two, down the ear. Three, up the behind and four, which was frightening because dogs eat them and they, they get stuck in the tonsillar crypts and in the mouth. And I once, I remember this case, I must have pulled 40 foxtails out of a dog's oropharynx, the mouth, the throat, the tonsil crypts. It was unbelievable. So um, anyway, I pulled one out of my daughter's dog a few weeks ago and then in the same foot, but higher up a new hole. I'm thinking maybe there's more in there. Maybe there's more than the one I pulled out. Possible. But once one gets there, that takes a while to migrate up. So it's less likely. And we think now I'm going. I'm going to explore tomorrow. Um, that that he ended up going to that same dog park. And now that dog park 
has a sign when you enter the dog park saying, beware, this dog park is loaded with foxtails. So my daughter <laughs> with her, her dog, Quinn, is not the only one, literally, that picked up a foxtail. So um, anyway, so be really careful. By the way, today, April 9th, um, yes, it's Easter Sunday. It's also the start of Dog Bite Prevention Week. And this gives you a chance, especially if you have children or if you have friends that have kids, to start talking to them about dog bite prevention. I lecture at Children's Hospital every couple of years. Every time they get a new crop of residents, I'm invited to come speak. I speak on two subjects. Number one is zoonotic diseases, usually with an, a, a pediatric infectious disease specialist. And we kind of tag team. He's talking about the disease from the, the kid's perspective. And I'm talking about it, how they got there, how they got the disease it comes from the animals. That's a zoonotic disease. And then I also talk about dog bites, because as we know, these young pediatricians in training, they are 100% going to see kids that are bitten by dogs. And that we need to teach them how to educate their kids' moms and dads to hopefully prevent dog bites. And as many of you know, I've talked about it before, I, at five years of age, was the object of one such dog bite. Dog grabbed me by the face, plastic surgery later, I'm still here. And uh, I said, if I had two plastic surgeries for both injuries when I, once, when I was five, the dog, once when I was in high school, and I used to joke that I had so much plastic. It's really not plastic surgery, it doesn't mean plastic, but if you lighted the match to my face, it would melt. But anyway, so it was my own family dog that I must have stepped on. He just grabbed up. I was five years old, grabbed me by the face, and my, my real very obvious smile line on this left side is actually a major scar. So, uh, but, and it didn't deter me at all from being a veterinarian. I wanted to be a veterinarian back then. But what can we do? So simple things that you can teach your kids or have your friends teach their kids, all right? Such as, um, don't when you be careful, always ask before approaching a dog whether the dog is okay. When you approach a dog or have them approach a dog, don't come with your hands. Kids like to grab. Teach them to go hand down and not up above the head, but below the head. And then the dog can sniff your hand. If you have a dog that appears to be aggressive, do not make eye contact because that to them is kind of a threat. And again, you want to teach your kids not to grab because that's very, very important. Don't run. Don't run away because dog then it becomes a chase. Then it becomes predator prey. So if you are being chased, look for the closest tree, the closest car, the closest wall, anything that you can actually, actually stand up against because dogs, their depth perception is not that great. So what will happen is they, if you're standing up against that wall and not making eye contact, all right, then they don't want to lunge at you because they fear that they're going to be running, running into a wall. So uh, they might sit, park themselves in front of you and bark, 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 bark. But anyway, keep that in mind. Those are some of the, the basic things that you can do to try to avoid dog bites. And also, you know, you always say this, dogs can sense fear. And so the issue is, can you fake it and not be afraid? That's a tough one. But when they sense the fear, then that makes them even more aggressive because they think, ah, now we got you. I can read dogs pretty well. I mean, they're doing this for a long time. I mean, almost 40 years and I've been bitten. Of course I've been bitten. And yes, I've had stitches from dogs, but, but you know, most of the time it was my fault. And, uh, but usually I can read them pretty well. And you can just see when a dog is, is just, when they start looking at you and staring you down and, and I, dogs that I'm not familiar with, I'm going to be very cautious. I'll tr try and see, you know, first thing you do, they'll see their lips go up. And when I see that coming, you know, I'm not going to win this battle. So I'll you sometimes get a muzzle or, you know, ask the, the client next time they come in, 
to to you know give it a little something to calm the dog down first. But I've had many dogs, interestingly, that were that way initially. And then I sometimes tell a client to bring their dog in with treats for no no treatment whatsoever, just to come in. I can walk into a room, say hi, give them a treat, give them a little bit under the chin, and they go. I want to try to make the experience to the, at the hospital more of a positive one than a negative one. So they don't fear when they come in. This is nothing wrong. Most dogs bite out of fear. And so, um, you know, that's one way we can, you know, sort of prevent it. Anyway, don't go away. We're at that time in our show. I want you to think of questions. Those of you on Pet Life Radio, send me a question. Let me know you're listening. And um, I will be right back after these short messages from our sponsor. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. And that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select Petco locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And I'm back here live at Pet Life Radio to answer a couple of questions about um, hair loss and hair growth uh, on our Instagram live. And I just wanted to share while I'm waiting for, um, ah, this is good. I love this one, and this happens a lot. So um, I'm going to share this one. He says, what can I do about my dog's long toenails? They can't cut them back because the quicks are so far out. That is not uncommon. That happens a lot. And that's why we encourage people to either learn how to cut their dog's nails or learn how to do it yourselves. But this is the problem. We see this a lot. And for example, Dobermans are notorious for this, where their nails grow, their quicks grow. So it needs to be done. And we need to train the quicks back. We need to cut them back. How do we do it? Now, obviously, many dogs don't like to have their nails cut. Why? Because they have been cut. And sometimes, erroneously, accidentally, you hit the quick. And not only does it bleed, but that's the nerve supply. And that hurts. And they remember. So now when you go at them with a nail clip, they're going, oh, no, you don't. And they put on a fight like we've never seen. Even the, the, the happiest dog that you have that wants to lick your face is ready to bite your face when you go near him with a toenail because of prior experiences. So what you need to do is you need to take the dog into your vet. They need to sedate, anesthetize, whatever. You might hopefully that maybe they need a dental at the same time, take advantage of the, the sedation. And you need to literally cut them back as far back reasonably. They're all going to bleed. You can, they're easy to cauterize either with a styptic powder called quick stop with an electrocautery unit. You can just cauterize the nails, stop the bleeding. And now that part that you just removed, that's the new nail. That's where the quick now stops. So 
Anything that grows from there is going to be no nerve, no blood supply. It's just nailed. And if you, if you stay on top of it, then you can basically keep it that way. So when we have dogs that with very long nails and we are putting them under sedation for some reason, we will then at that time, of course, with the owner's consent, go ahead and cut the nails back so we can get back to a, a normal, reasonable length and starting point before the quick is exposed. So I hope that helps, but that's what I would, uh, that's what I'd do. All right. This is all for you parents or parents-to-be. Keep this in mind. Studies show owning a dog can lower the risk of egg, milk, and nut allergies among children. So eggs, milks, and nuts, allergies among children. All right. And having a cat in the home was associated with lower risk of egg, wheat, and soybean allergies. So I don't know. I had allergies as a kid, but they didn't. I, I went through allergy shots and all that. Now I have none. Zero. Everything I was allergic to is totally fine. So maybe I just outgrew them all. Who knows? But I, I don't have any allergies. So uh, anyway, sometimes hard work. But other than that, no, I'm just kidding. So anyway, so keep that in mind. Owning a dog has its benefit. Now, speaking of dogs, I don't know if I agree with this one. I would love your input on this one. Because I don't, I know I don't agree. People with a dog are more likely than others to have trouble sleeping or have sleep disorders. And those with a cat are more likely to experience leg jerks while sleeping. So I don't know about that. Because I have five of each. I've always had multiples. I might have a leg jerk, you know, with that, you know, like that feeling when you're dreaming and you're feeling that you're falling or you're about to trip and you, you, you're a jerk. I've had those before, but I don't know about the trouble sleeping. I'm surrounded by dogs and when I sleep. I mean, it's, I got five of them all on the bed. They are so cute. So whatever the case may be, I don't know if I agree. I'd love for you to chime in on that one. Plus, during the winter, not that it gets so cold here, I'm not complaining, but when I think about Having five dogs in bed, you don't need heating blankets. You don't need any thermal. Just having those warm bodies next to you, that is ideal. And it's the most fun of all. Um, so, so I want to know what you guys think about you sleep with your pets. Yeah, oh, oh, others say some of the behaviors don't like the idea. Because they say it takes away your role as the dominant one when they get to sleep in bed with you. Again, I have dogs and had dogs forever. And I don't think that has ever been in question. And they are still responsive. They still look at us as the dominance. They still listen sometimes. Again, I disagree. Okay, this came out a couple of weeks ago, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it, but I guess it's timeless. And that is, for you marijuana users out there, amongst the pet parents, and I know for a fact there are quite a few <laughs> that I know personally, there's a potentially... We, have to, we do know that marijuana is potentially toxic to animals. And a lot of the edible products that you can get, the quote-unquote edibles, they are actually extremely toxic because there is a much higher concentration of the THC. So you really want to be careful. It is the, the THC that is the potential toxin. The CBD itself is less or there's really no toxicity. But there are you know, other apparent toxic ingredients in you know, the CBD, the CBN, uh, I, I don't even know all the CBs, but CBD is the most common. And um, anyway, it is much safer. But um, the symptoms can range from vomiting, diarrhea, anorexia, lethargy, ataxia, even seizures. And in rare, rare, rare instances, and I think the only two 
instances that I know of in literature were both from something called pot butter, which is apparently extremely concentrated death. So um, I have not heard. Otherwise, they get really sick. They stumble. They wobble. I've seen, even, even on AirVet, where people are showing me, because it's you know, all video chat, and I can see the dog. My first question is, does anyone participate, uh, partake in marijuana or edibles in the house? Because that is marijuana toxicity. And they like freak out. No, but, but I, I thought I threw them off. <laughs> well, whatever you thought you did, you didn't do it well enough because that dog is definitely experiencing marijuana toxicity. So anyway, oh, this is also, if you live in Tennessee and you are thinking about getting a divorce, there's such a thing now, there's a new bill that is going to cover, it's going to consider pet well-being in divorce cases. And so basically, the courts will be allowed to rule on ownership or shared ownership um, of companion animals in the interest of the animal's well-being. So you would have to prove if there is a battle when it comes to a pet, who is, would be better off taking care of the pet? What environment would be better for the pet? And the courts can allow and either say, no, this is even you guys can share, or no, you, you have to keep the pet. So um, anyway, what it's doing is it's really elevating the place of pets in our homes and in society. And the fact that it is even being considered. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, how this pans out in Tennessee, and therefore what's going to happen in other states. Because oftentimes, as we know from the pet store thing, where there's, they're not allowed to sell lot, you know, dogs or cats anymore or rabbits and all those things unless they get them from a shelter, that trend is now becoming more of a national trend. And, um, and it's good, but it, was, it started in, a few, in just a few states. We, Los Angeles area being one of the cities that you know, started this years and years ago, because I was actually many years ago involved with one of the pet stores as their veterinarian, when back in the day when there were animals being sold to pet stores and I felt the animals needed help. And um, anyway, the, uh, this one store had the, was given the opportunity to be that first store in LA. It was in a very high profile mall, it was very well known. It was probably the largest pet store. And these idiot owners, despite what, how much I tried to tell them, this is the future. Go for it. Do it. It'll bring you so much press. They were going to have celebrities. They were going to have a big grand opening. No, no, we don't want to do it. It's not going to help. P.S. Because the negative press they were getting for not doing it and the protesters outside the mall, the mall, um, as soon as their lease was up, which it was in a couple of months, they did not renew their lease. And they have now been out of business. So very stupid. Anyway, so that's all we have time for. Again, would love to hear your any questions you may have. You can easily get a hold of me. You can get a hold of me anytime. Just go on to my Instagram here for Instagram for a website. You can go to Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. Send me your questions. You can also go to AirVet and put me down as Jeff's Telehospital. And we can actually do a video, live video chat. But we'd love to help you out in any way I can. Otherwise, we will see you here next week, Sunday, same time, same channel, here on Instagram Live, here on Pet Life Radio. And for uh, those of you who have a great Easter Sunday, and we will see you all. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.